Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT pulpit. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. We do have it up on the screen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Listen, it says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Are you with me? Let me read verse 12 one more time because I want to make sure that we get it. For even as the body is one, somebody say one, and yet has many members, somebody say many members, and all the members of the body, and all the members of the body, though they are many, somebody say many, are one, somebody say one, one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. For the body is not one member, but many. I'm going to talk in this lesson today about the power of routine. I want to talk about Christ-centered community. And if I, was, and if I could give this a subtitle, I would say uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for making us uncomfortable. Amen. Amen. Um, Pastor, you got that first photo? You got it. Let's put the first photo up. I want to just show right here, first photo, before we gathered everybody together. I think we got it. We don't? All right. That's kind of dark, but you can see it. We, we're really spaced out. Can y'all get a good picture? So, so let's just say, and I know we probably should have done some color correction, but we'll get there. Let's just say like you were a visitor coming in and you walked in and you saw that. Just scattered, just not real inviting, is it? Let's, we can be, let's, we're family, let's be honest. All right, all right, all right. All right, take that off. Don't put up the second one yet. We're going to get to the second one in just a moment. <clears throat> so, like I said, today we're concluding this four-part series that we started just after Vision Sunday uh, that we did, Vision Sunday, and, then, and so we jumped into this four-part series called The Power of Routine. Somebody say The Power of Routine. And, and, and I got to tell you, out of all of the disciplines that we have discussed, um, this one, I think by far, is the most uncomfortable. This one by far, I think, is the most difficult. It, 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 it's the hardest one for us to embrace. I mean, we, you know, because see, we don't mind prayer. Hey, jump on, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., two-a-days through the 21-day consecration. It was great. We don't mind it just, just through our lives. I mean, you know, we can talk to God, get some stuff answered, receive power, prayer. Everybody loves to pray. Uh, 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 we're good with prayer. We're good with that. I mean, even back in the day, MC Hammer came up with a song about it. We got to pray. Pray, got to pray. We got to pray just See, y'all know this, so we don't have a problem with prayer. We don't even have a problem with uh, reading and studying the Bible. We get a get greater understanding, gain strength. 
seek his word, so you can teach his word, so you can do his word. We, we, we got that. We don't even, watch this, we largely don't even have a problem with fasting. <laughs> I mean, you know, once you get past that initial shock and you get past day three, you're good. You, you can kind of get into that routine and you're good with, with even fasting. Fasting and prayer goes together. Reading the Bible, yes. But, but it's this last one that becomes super difficult for us to really fully embrace. And, 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 and when it comes to being committed to a Christ-centered community, when it comes down to being devoted and accountable to one another, to another brother or sister in the Lord, uh, our response is, oh, I don't have time for that. Would y'all talk back to me in this place? My life already has too much going on in it. I don't, I don't want y'all to know me like that. I don't need all up in my business. <laughs> I remember, honest moment, I remember <laughs> when, when, when we first came to this church almost 10 years ago. First came to this church almost 10 years ago. I, who would, I would have never thought, Sister Lumpkin, that 10 years later I'd be standing up here as the pastor of this church. Are you kidding me? Listen. When we, when, 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 when we first came to this church, um, it was a little weird to me, <laughs> it was, if I could just be honest, and y'all don't judge me, it was a little weird, it was a little weird. Um, you know, we would sing songs for a very, very long time. Like, like now we've cut it back, we're just a very long time, but back then it was very, very long time. Yeah, we would... Uh, sing songs that had a whole lot of words to them. And like when we would go and sing hymns that I knew, they would venture off into verses that I had no idea was even part of the song. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Carmela has her hand up, she's laughing, she's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like I know, I know the song. Uh, 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 what's that hymn we would always sing? Uh, it is well with my soul. I know that song, at least I thought I did. And then, and then Pastor Tim was like, verse four, what, there's a fourth verse? Lord, hasten the day. What are you talking about? When my faith becomes sight. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I, don't even, I didn't even know these verses existed. Are you making this stuff up? So I felt, I felt a little out of place. The verses were super long. I just couldn't wait for the hook, Chris. I'm like, get me to the part that I know. <laughs> Oh, and wait, and then, and then after worship was done, we would do this thing that was just completely awkward to me. And we would go across and start fellowshipping. And we've gotten a whole lot better with it now, but back then, I was like 15 or 20 minutes. People still, I mean, people could, the pastor could not regain order of the service. I'm like, this is not the Lord in this place. The Bible says everything done decent and in order. And y'all out of order right now. He, he trying to talk and give announcements and everybody's still back there talking and everything else. I was like, this, what the Lord? Then if that wasn't awkward or weird enough, then... Uh, we started to connect with other people in the church. And I remember going out to dinner with Pastor Tim and Cindy. And we were sitting there, and he sat across from us, and, and he would just ask very intrusive questions. How's your marriage? What? Hey, bro, how's your marriage? That's what I was thinking in my head. How's your walk with the Lord? How's your devotional life? Like, how's your devotional life? Be asking me questions like that? Especially about the marriage stuff because like, hey, hey, listen, I was taught growing up, hey, what goes on in the house, what goes on in the family. But see, let me tell you something. See, that was what had me all messed up. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me today. I'd have made y'all come sit real close together. You mean you gonna talk to us about no, yes, I am. It was uncomfortable. Because I quickly learned 
that allowing someone access to my life and my personal space was actually good for me. See, when I would keep things to myself and, 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 and I would tell Courtney, hey, hey, you ain't got to be talking about all that. And we would keep stuff within the house. We didn't open up ourselves to find help. Y'all just going to sit there and just look at me like, and you know you need help too. Some stuff going on in your home that, that, that don't nobody know about, but you, and inside it's killing you. Inside you want to just holler. But you dare not holler because you don't want him or her to find out that you didn't say something to somebody. And some of us have gone down roads in our lives without getting the help that we need. And we're dying on the inside. I learned that connecting with people who didn't look like me, y'all ain't gotta say nothing, I'm gonna I'm, I'm talk anyway, who, who weren't raised like I was raised, who had a different background than I had, was actually something that God was using for my good, but ultimately for his glory. See, let me give you the big idea of the message. Listen to this, the church, somebody say the church is made up of people we may not always get along with or agree with, but that's something that God can use for our good. I need y'all to get that down. The church is made up of people that we may not always get along with or agree with, but that's something that God can use for our good. In other words, despite our differences, the Holy Spirit unites us and works in our hearts and in our communities for our good and for his glory. Anybody want their life to be a life that glorifies the Father? Come on, does anybody else want to be used in a way that God can use them any way, any time? Does anybody want to, want to be given God, to, to, be, to give God ultimate glory and ultimate honor out of their life? See, the body of Christ, listen to me good, the body of Christ is made up of people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. And sometimes that makes living in community very difficult. Very difficult. But this week we're going to dig into what it means to be part of a church. And how we can commit more deeply to the community of believers that God has put us in. Listen. Let's have a real honest moment right now. Um, how many feel called like the Lord has placed you here at Revival Tabernacle? God has placed you here. God, good. God, God has placed you here. For one reason or another, God has placed you here. Can I tell you something? The fact of the matter that he has placed you here for a reason and for a purpose, it is, there is something that God is trying to get into you and also something that God is trying to get out of you. Because there is something that uh, you need that is in the house. But watch this. There is also something that the house needs that's in you. And if you continue to live in isolation and, 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 and continue to live your life not wanting to interact to allow tension and friction to happen so that what God has placed in you can come out of you and what God has placed in this house to come out of them to so they can bless your life, you're going to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. I want you to get all that God has for you. Look at somebody and say, I'm getting all that God has for me. So it doesn't just stop at prayer. Prayer is important, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just stop at reading and studying the Bible. That's important, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just stop at fasting. And we talked about last week, fasting is not just a beginning of the year thing. 
But it also happens when you get connected with other members in the body. Let me give you my first point. Somebody say, number one. I got 49 more, so we're going to go through these. I'm, I'm just messing with y'all. Messing with y'all. <laughs> we're going to be here all the way to Super Bowl. Um, everyone is welcome and has a part to play in the body of Christ. Everyone is welcome and has a part to play in the body of Christ. We need to understand that here. Let's look back at, 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 at what we just read. Verses 12 through 14. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Skip down to verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. And let me just tell you something. Paul is using this metaphor of the body to describe the church. A body is made up of many different parts. You have toes, you have arms, you have legs, you have a head. Each part has a very unique purpose. Every part belongs to the body. And without that part, the body is no longer whole. Oh, y'all hearing what I'm saying? So it is with the church. It's easy to look at the worship team. It's easy to look at uh, the preaching team. It's easy to look at the greeters and assume that these are very important people in the church. But in fact, everyone, as the Bible says in verse 13, whether Jews or Gentile, whether slaves or free, plays a critical role in the body of Christ. Everybody plays a critical role in the body of Christ. Can I tell y'all something? I mean, I'm, I almost lost my mind when Brother Rodney got up here and started singing. <laughs> I was talking to Brother, I said, well, what, what, what? Is going on. I, I know he don't mind because that's my brother and I love him. But can I tell you something? Four years ago, Brother Roddy would have never got up here and done that. Am, am I telling the truth? Come on. Would have never. But you know what? One day he decided to let down his wall and embrace the church that God has placed him in. And he has been a blessing to me and so many others in this place, both him and his wife, Tawanda. And it has been a reciprocating factor in his life. This church, this family of believers has been there for him and his family through some very difficult times. And let me tell you something, he's been there for us through some very difficult times. And so that connectivity has brought about a freedom in how he now serves. See, when you really want to really get to the bottom of this and you really want to say, hey, how do I get more involved? How do I? And I'm getting ready to tell you because we're getting ready to go to something. We're getting ready to shift as a church into something very, very key. And yes, we've dabbled in it before. We've done it. We've, we've, we've had some stints in it. But we're getting ready to make life groups a very uh, 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 intricate part of the fabric of this church. Because let me just tell you something. One of the most important, or I, I, I would say, one of the greatest times of, 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 of health within this church has been when we were actively involved in life groups, actively pursuing connectivity with our brothers and our sisters, actively had accountability going on within uh, the household of faith. The biblical image, the biblical image of the people of God is what? Is that we are stones being built together. Stones being built together. And we're being built together in what's called a dwelling place. A dwelling place requires, watch this, not one big stone, but many pieces of stone. And those pieces of stone become interlocked together and fortified together. It's not that the stones lose their individuality or their unique texture or shape. The image is not one of, the, uh, of identical bricks or prefab con concrete blocks. It's, it's not just one. It's just that only together do individual stones achieve the structural purpose of becoming a household of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. 
You, you may not even know my name, but I need you. And guess what? Look back at him and say, you need me too. <laughs> yeah, you do. We've talked about it so many times. When we talk about the body has many members. And the members of, of our human body are so important. And they each have a specific purpose and function. And it's important for each of those members to know their lane. Look at somebody and say, stay in your lane. They must know their role and their purpose and their function by which they were designed. Are y'all hearing me today? And so what happens is my eye has a purpose and a function. It is to see. My mouth has a purpose and a function. It is to speak. My ear has a purpose and a function. It is to hear. My nose has a purpose and a function. It is to smell. My feet have a purpose and a function. It's to take me from here to there. My legs have a purpose and a function. To hold up this big upper body so that my feet can stand on what they do what we're trying to do. My hands have a purpose and a function. They are to reach out and give and touch. My everything that's designed but those are just the things that you see because see, there are other things and other members in my body that you don't see my stomach has a purpose and a function my liver has a purpose and a function y'all ain't saying nothing to me my kidneys have a purpose and a function and the problem is everybody wants to be a part of the body that everybody sees but nobody wants to be the part of the body that nobody ever sees because they want to be out front and they want to be seen and they want their name in life. They want to be glamorous and they want to be famous. But nobody ever says, uh, I want to be the liver. I want to be the upper intestines. Let me tell you something. Isn't it something that <laughs> the most important part of your body is not at the top? The most important parts of your body is not what you see at the top of your head. You can, I, I cut off my hair. I'm still good. They can pluck out my eye. I still function. I get to be one of them watchdogs. Maybe not a dog. No, I'll just get a stick. Not dogs. I don't do dogs well. I can have deficiency of my hearing, still be good, you know, just learn sign language and Jesus, Lord, I know those things. <laughs> but start taking out my kidney. Start taking out my, my liver. Start removing my stomach. It won't be long <laughs> before everything starts to. The body is important. And no matter what role you are, what your function is, you must understand that you are of value and you're a part of the body. And we need you. Together, somebody say together. Together, our unique shapes complement each other and create a more structurally sound building. So the question that we should ask ourselves, we're thinking about our church community, this church, Revival Tabernacle, Church on Woodward, the Purple Church on Woodward, is not does this community hit all of my check boxes or my preferences or my desires. Can I, tell you, can, I tell you, can I just tell you something? Uh, you're never going to find a perfect church. But you will find a purple church. Just had to throw that in there. There's no church that's perfect. And when you find one and you join it, guess what? They just ceased from being perfect. 
because the church is made up of imperfect people. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. But your question should be, is this a place that I can faithfully serve this community and be committed and be a committed part of the body? Let me give you point number two. Somebody say point number two. Being part of the church is really, really hard. Let me just go ahead and just say it, just address it, because it's really, really difficult to be part of the church. Okay, let's look at verse 13 again. Watch this. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. When you bring people together from all different backgrounds, from all different walks of life, from all different upbringings, from all different church backgrounds, from all different denominational backgrounds. We got Baptist folk, we got Methodist folk. I mean, I'm married, I'm married to somebody. Courtney was, grew up Catholic, uh, got saved in the Methodist church, came to a Coptic church and, and to a Pentecostal, and now she's the wife of an Assemblies of God church. I mean, how much more complex can you be? But she's fine and she's all mine. But I mean, think about all those different type of thoughts and ideologies and, and, and isms that go on. And, and, and it's not just her or me, but when you talk about all of us, to bring that all together, I mean, some of you all, let me just try to break this thing down and make it very, very simple. Some of us have problems even in our marital relationships because you got one person coming, coming into a union with another person. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me, but I'm gonna keep on talking. And, and that's difficult. Because everything that he didn't learn growing up and everything that she didn't learn growing up and he tried to bring this all into a house and live and cohabitate together and we try to see what, what, how in the world, that's not how I was brought up and that's, that's not how my mama talked to my dad. That's not how my mama cooked. That ain't, that ain't how my mama cooked those rice and those beans and that ain't, that, 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 that ain't how you fold my underwear and that's not how you clean up the room, you know, and you got all these different things and that's just with two people. Think about it when we talk about a hundred or so folks. Think about how difficult it is to try to bring it all together and all into alignment. But listen to this. Paul emphasizes here in this text that all who are baptized are part of one body. No matter if you're Jews or Greek, no matter if you're slave or free, Another way to read Paul's words in verse 13 is like this. Another way to read it is like this. <laughs> For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, regardless of background, nationality, social status, political belief, or any other arbitrary dividing lines that don't matter in the kingdom of God. See, the reality is living in community with people, especially people from different, that are different from ourselves, is really, really hard. You don't believe me? Just start looking at what people say uh, on their social status. Um, you know, my granddaddy used to say, if you can't say amen, just say ouch. Because it's going to get very real. Because see, here's the problem. When we don't learn to dwell together in unity despite our diversity, then we'll never be the church that Jesus talked about in the book of John where he said, Father, make them one. Just as you and I are one, God, make them one. He says, by this men will know that you are my disciples by their. What love do you think he was talking about? 
love for one another. Here. <laughs> if we don't get it right, though we are different, though we are many members, though we have different backgrounds, though we have different uh, uh, thought processes, if we don't get it right here, when we are talking about seeing a thousand souls saved by the year 2020, and that's not just happening here in this church, let me just make sure that I'm clear on this. That even happens for you on your job. See, you're a part of this church, but let me tell you something, this purple structure don't go out and save nobody. You are the church. We are the church. Yes, people will get saved in this church, but I believe with all my heart that we're going to see a thousand people saved. It's not just going to be in this house, but it's going to be how you're witnessing and how you're living on your job, how you're witnessing how you're living in your home, how you're witnessing how you're living in your school. No matter where you go, you're taking the mission and you're making sure that you're holding near and dear to your heart the very thing that's important to God, and that is seeing the, the lost saved. Because, see, there are disagreements. <laughs> Uncomfortable moments. Awkward silences. And a whole lot of frustrations. And it could be tempting to leave. It can be tempting to go and find a place that is uh, right up your alley, that, you know, better suits how you were raised and fits, allows you to fit more into your comfort zone. The tension of a diverse congregation of people coming together in Christ's name will often be combustible but it's also the heart of the gospel. Can I tell you something? At the core of the gospel that we preach, it's not a kumbaya session. He was beat. He was abused. He was bullied. He was mocked. They put nails in his hands and his feet. They put a spear in his side. He's the king of kings, but they made a mockery of him and put a crown of thorns on his head. They whipped him all night long. They pulled out his beard. Popular thing right now is to get a beard game going on. But let me tell you something. Christ said, and they plucked it out. It's amazing to me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That they can beat the body and still not take away his power. Because see, if they had known where his power lied, they would have afflicted him his mouth. <laughs> but notice out of everything they did, they didn't touch his mouth because the power is in what he say. And the scriptures tell us that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So even while he was being bruised and afflicted, he was still speaking forth power because his mouth was still intact and he was still speaking forth the very core values by which we stand. Forgiveness, love, peace. Come on somebody in this place. So it doesn't matter what people may do to you. Understand where the true power lies. As long as you are Abiding by his word. Let me tell you something. <sighs> I 
Rather than searching for a church full of people who look and think and act and believe like you, we got to realize that that type of church doesn't exist. And even if it did, it would be the type of church we need. It wouldn't. So we embrace this tension. We embrace this discomfort. We embrace this uncomfortableness, if that's even a word. Why? Because let me just tell you something. I believe that it teaches us how to love others and to love God. Here's my last point. Although we are different, we are united by, in the most important way, and that's by the Spirit. Although we're different, and man, we're different, but we are united in the most important way, and that's in the Spirit. The church is not made up of a motley group of people who just so happen to enjoy getting together for worship once a week or meeting in your small groups or your life groups on whatever night of the week that they choose to do so. No. The uniting factor, watch this, the thing that brings the church together week in and week out, despite our differences and conflicts, is the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in verse 13. For by one spirit. Right out the gate. There it is. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. This is, this is what brings us together in the ways that we're brought together. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He is the only one that can allow unity in the midst of diversity to coexist in a beautiful way. To where there's no judgment, but there is love. To where there's no confusion, but there's understanding. Church is made up of people who have all experienced something life challenging. Whether it's separation in your marriage, divorce in your marriage, the losing of a loved one, going through severe health issues. Repentance from sin and the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ is the thing that bounds us together. Let me say that a different way. Though we're all different, though we all come from different places, the two things that unite us together is that we all need our sins forgiven and we all need to have love for Jesus Christ. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? I mean, we have people in this place that, that are here on the socioeconomic status grid, and we have people that are here. But guess what? It doesn't matter if you're making six figures a year or if you're making three figures a year. You still need your sins forgiven, and you still need to have love for Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you have the best health care. Or if you're just barely making it by in the system, you still need your sins forgiven and you still have to have love for Jesus Christ. This is the thing that unites us all, no matter what our differences are. So, because it's easy for us to forget, but the church is made up of people who have the most important thing in common. And those, that was those two things. And because of the work that God has done in all of our lives, we can embrace this uncomfortableness and live in true, authentic community with people who are not normally, who we would not normally connect with. So how do we get there? 
How do we get there within this church? The answer is very simple. Life groups. Life groups. You've, you've been hearing the announcements week after week that we're getting ready to ramp up life groups. And, we've been, and we, we've been very strategic about making sure that we are ready when this time comes. But let me just tell you something. Here's what we need. We need more leaders. And see, I already hear the voices. Pastor, you know, I don't like people all up in my home. I know. I don't want people tracking through my house. Oh, it's your house now. Oh, okay. So that time when your back was up against the wall and you, didn't, you couldn't figure out how your bill, your rent, or your mortgage was going to get paid and you called out to Jesus and some way, somehow, it got done and you said, God, I thank you, God. This is your house. Thank you, Lord. That, 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 that's what you said. That's what you said. And now he's... He, he's challenging you. He's messing with you. And he's telling you, lead a life group. Invite people into your home so that there can be true, authentic community. And here you go, fight it. <laughs> Devil, get thee behind me. Not my house. Not my furniture. And we get very protective over these material things. When you have a brother or a sister that's dying on the inside and they're waiting for true, authentic community. And you don't even realize that maybe, just maybe, God has positioned you here in this church for this time to be able to, to, be able to minister to that person. But because of your hang-ups, you put up a hold-up. Wait a minute. And God is saying, I'm trying to get something out of you into somebody else, and I'm trying to get something out of them into you. Let me very quickly tell you why life groups are so important. Because life groups are important because it is the single most part of this church that will help people get more engaged. It'll help people get more involved. It does. Helps them get more involved and identify more with the mission of our church. How does that happen in life groups? I remember meeting Bryant and Candace. They weren't even married. They were students on the campus of University of Detroit. Courtney and I and Will and Shiana, were, we were commissioned to go do a life group on the campus of U of D. And we were there and we, and we met there every, every Friday, every Friday for about six weeks, eight weeks or so. And they're here today because of the work that we did, not here on the campus of University of Detroit, and we're blessed to see them and their marriage and their two beautiful gir girls raised up here in the house of God. That happens. You know why? You know how that happens? Life group. Life group. I mean, I, have, I, we, 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 I see stories all across this room about when, when this church was moving through healthy times and we were actively getting together and what we called doing life together. People are here because of that. Because of the relationships that were born through those moments. Can I tell you something? Everybody's not going to get the experience that God wants them to get inside these four walls. I mean, listen, okay, let, let, me not, let me not even know that. I've talked enough about how weird church can be. Life groups are an absolute necessity for involving as many people as possible in the life and ministry of this church. I can't say that enough. So understand this. Life groups provide positive peer pressure. See, there's enough negative peer pressure that goes on in our other circles. 
don't, don't sit there and act all, all, all saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with tongues like that. You want to, you know what I'm talking about. You know you got some friends in your life and in your circle that all the way, every time you get around them, they, they're looking to pull you down and they're looking to see if what you've been saying is real. And what you need to do is you need to make sure that you are constantly, and it doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. Sunday morning isn't enough. You have to engage and do life with some other people that are of the same mind as you so that you can be strengthened and built up to live the life that God wants you to live. Small groups provide, life groups provide accountability. And though we may not like it, we need it. Let's just face it, the bigger we continue to grow, the easier it is going to be for somebody to sneak in and sneak out and never have to worry about having a true, authentic relationship with anybody else. And that's not what God wants. That's not what he desires. Because if we're going to continue to grow in faith and grow in the things of God, yes, church attendance is important. But let me tell you something. Prayer is important. Fasting is important. Reading studying the Word important. Being connected with a Christ-centered community is very important. Amen. Life group also helps people try on involvement on a smaller scale. Sometimes it's scary for somebody to get involved and even start, start serving as an usher. But maybe... If in the home, they're responsible just for greeting the eight or ten people that come and show up for the life group. That's their responsibility. They can try on hospitality in a smaller scale and, and see if that works with them. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a gift to sing, but you dare not get up there and try to, try to sing, sing uh, uh, in place of Lisa. Well, guess what? Start leading worship in the life group. It allows you to try on involvement on a smaller scale. Guess what? That also help you build confidence so that God can use you on the bigger scale if he so desires to do so. Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying? Life Group also helps close the church's back door. <laughs> we've done very well that we've implemented our Go Deeper. How many people have gone through Go Deeper? or still going through Go Deeper, maybe you've done a couple, a couple sessions and you got to do two more, and I encourage you to do it. There'll be a family edition that goes on today after our brief town hall meeting. But can I just tell you, it's so important that we get life groups going, that we establish healthy relationships within the church because that is where true connectivity happens. And we'll start seeing the things of God begin to flourish in this church and in our lives. If you're identified with that, come on and shout amen in this place. I want to be very sensitive to the time because we do have a very, very, very brief town hall meeting. And I want someone to go next door and, 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 and alert our children's ministry workers. But I want to be very, very clear about what I want to do. Everyone focus in. Look at me real quick. This is important. It's very difficult, but it's important. And what's needed for us to really be vision-minded, to accomplish what God has spoken into our hearts for this church to accomplish, it's going to require you and your buy-in. It's going to require you to be fully committed. Yes, just like you're committed to prayer, just like you're committed to fasting, just like you're committed to reading God's word. You, we need people that are committed to Christ-centered community. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it is. But guess what? Christ dying on the cross was uncomfortable. And if he can be uncomfortable so that you could have a right to eternal life, then I think you can be uncomfortable 
a night a week with somebody in your house or you're going to somebody's house or you're going and meeting up. Maybe it's a workout group and y'all just working out together. Maybe it's a chicken wing group and you're just going to meet, meet up and eat chicken wings together. My favorite group. I'm changing that. I need to get organic. I got to make sure I stay fit. So find me some organic wings, Brother Jefferson. You got to find some organic wings. I'm sorry. Thank you. I know, I know you do. You'll find it. But we have to. But we have to, yeah. But we have to get there. As uncomfortable as it may be, we got to get there. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to get there. I'm going to be here for you, and I need you to be here for me. We need to be here for one another. If you're in this place, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Devin, I hear what you're saying, and this sounds great. I need to make the first step in in accepting Jesus Christ into my heart so I can be part of the family so then I can engage and be part of Christ in the community. The beautiful part about it is you don't have to wait for that, but here's here's a golden opportunity for you to receive Christ into your hearts because when he does come, he comes to Make all things new. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Devin, I'm ready. I'm ready to give my heart to the Lord. I'm ready to give my my life to Jesus. If you're in this place, just simply raise your hand right where you're sitting, right where you're sitting. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. I say this every week. The plan of salvation is very simple. Just like you were born once, you're born again once. So if you've already been born again, guess what? Jesus is our advocate to the Father, and he says, listen, confess your sins, and he will be faithful and just to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. But if you're ready to give your heart to the Lord, if you're ready to give, live, live a life that's committed to him, or if you're ready to rededicate yourself back to him, he is ready and willing to do it for you right now. And the beautiful part about it is, after you make this decision, there will be a band of brothers and a circle of sisters that are going to be committed to not letting you do life by yourself. Life was never meant to be done alone. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.